Good evening. Good night. This is an actual podcast, so it could be, you could be anywhere in the world right now. You could be having breakfast. You could be having a jog at night time. I don't know. But this is a real podcast. I know that on the internet, everyone says everything's a podcast these days. But this is an actual, real audio podcast from You Call That Radio. And we have a very special guest, Gavin Mitchell, on the show today. Comedian, actor, all-round legend. How are you doing? There is... Hopefully you can see the cracks of light coming through the shed that we've been locked down in. In Scotland, pubs have been allowed to open again. Only outside, though. The beer gardens began the day after the heatwave ended, obviously. I say heatwave, you know, everyone outside of Scotland would laugh at that claim. But they could not deny or dispute that the weather is now far, far shiter than it was. I got my first pint of draft of the year. I was supposed to meet a mate, he stood me up. So the first pint of the year was in solitude in a deck chair on a busy East End street as I get pelted by hailstones. Not quite how I'd imagined it, but it felt like a step forward. I felt part of the roadmap out. You know, they keep saying that. The roadmap out. Well, I felt part of the roadmap out. A roadmap out of this diabolical year. It's been terrible. We've lost too many people. It's been like Groundhog Day, except at least in Groundhog Day, it got to go to a local fet like Merrimus every year, every day. And at a hotel, he could go to a hotel as well. So Groundhog Day was actually alright when you think about it. Not quite Glastonbury, but it was like a kind of festival, local fete, something. Probably better weather as well. But the and today, today we're practising gratitude, we're not going to moan. Although if it was up to, to me, a pandemic would only last like a couple of weeks, a month maximum. But we're not here to moan, practising gratitude. So I hope you've got something to be grateful for today. Uh, at this same um, interview you're about to hear is um, about... It, this, came, this is quite an old interview. It happened fairly early into lockdown. So some information might be a bit out of date, but not much. We're still pretty much locked down and cunts are still voting Tory. But you can get a haircut now. Small victories. The barometer of expectations is fairly low right now. But we're practising gratitude. And the main gratitude I have right now is the gratitude of all the patrons who support this show. It's been incredible because of your support. I've managed to upgrade my equipment. I've managed to broadcast more than 300 shows on our YouTube channel. This is youtube.com forward slash you call that radio. We've got over, we just hit over 4,000 followers on Facebook. Is our Facebook page as well, which is facebook.com forward slash you call that radio. And yeah, I'm just grateful for the support. If I have no idea what I would have done without everyone who has been 
who's been supporting the Patreon. So thank you very much. Also feel grateful that, you know, I've still not been to an actual proper live gig yet, but I'm grateful that we managed to do about five live gigs with no audience from CaptureWorks. So I got to hear and see some live music, although I was running around like a blue-ass fly, um, stage managing and hosting and promoting at the same time. And uh, recently we did the Secret Animal Garden Party, which uh, was amazing for Tam and Kyle. So there's lots of food. There's a, there's a show on a YouTube channel about it, but there's lots more sets that haven't been released yet. Lots more new music to come um, that I'm editing just now. Um, some amazing sets from there. And we've had some great guests recently. We've had uh, Stanley Odd, who are promoting their, their new album. Um, we've had Colonel Mustard. We've had loads of amazing shows recently on the live streams as well. So I'm grateful for all the guests who come on. I'm grateful to have performed a gig, my first gig of the year last week on Immersive TV. So thanks to David Blair for sorting that out. It was a fundraiser for Sunny Govan Radio and Refugee. And it was good to just get back in to a sort of live performance. It was like Zoom calls on the wall. We could see all the people on the wall as we performed. It was very strange. I was actually a bit creeped out by the idea, but it was actually... A lot of fun to do. I really enjoyed it once I got into it. And it was good to kind of premiere some of the new Jackal Trade stuff, which uh, which I'm very grateful for as well. I've, I'm grateful to be making music again. It's been a long time coming. But the new album at this point will be out in June the 1st. You can pre-order it now at jackaltrades.bandcamp.com. I'm grateful for Murfamish. Mur He's been mixing and mastering it. I'm grateful to Murfamish for doing that. I'm grateful for Murfamish for being a rock behind the scenes on You Call That Radio in general. So thank you to Murfamish and the patrons. It's um, it's totally given me a lifeline, kept me busy, and hopefully it's given you some entertainment. Hopefully I've managed to shine a light on some underground acts that you've maybe not heard of before as well. And it's been an absolute honour to just chat to so many legends. Like Gavin Mitchell, I'm grateful that Gavin Mitchell would take time out of his day to have a chat with me. It's an absolute honour. You probably know him as Bobby the Barman from Still Game. So we chat about the success of the TV show, but also the record-breaking Hydro show. They performed to over half a million people, over 51 shows. I think they were doing like two a day. Can't remember exactly, but it's never been done before. And I, I went along to one as well, and it was it was a great day out. So we talk about that, we talk about the time they inducted David Bowie into the Barrowlands Hall of Fame. My band Gyro Babies was lucky enough to be part of that that gig. So we talk about that, we talk about his Casablanca Theatre show, being in Monarch of the Glen, Velvet Soup, and loads of other stuff, including the Tories, conspiracy theories, and the general clusterfuck that was, and still is, 2020. A true legend of the comedy acting and the music scene. He loves his tunes, most recently being the host with the most for Colonel Mustard and the Dijon Fives album launch at the Barras last week, which I think you can still watch on YouTube if you buy a ticket for it. Or if not, just buy, buy their new album, The Difficult Number 2, which is out now. Now, just a wee warning, there's a few sound issues at the beginning as uh, live streaming was all new to me. I was using Wi-Fi instead of Ethernet. I had a really old laptop I was using at the time as well. So, but luckily, thanks to the patrons, I've managed to upgrade my equipment. 
And also thanks to Murphy, she's done a bit of, given it the whole show a bit of TLC. So it should sound amazing after the first few minutes. But basically what happened was, is that it was a Saturday night. There was loads of people tuned in, hundreds of people tuned in. Uh, we were on um, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, all at the same time. And uh, just right at the very start of the interview, my internet cut off and everything broke. It froze. <laughs> so I had to restart my computer. And we were live. I was petrified and horrified. Luckily, Gavin is a true entertainer and all-round good guy. So he just took it in his stride and he chatted with the audience while I worriedly and panically, panically restarted my computer. And I just had my fingers crossed, hoping that the, the biggest name in you call that radio history... Hadn't just fucked off at the sheer lack of professionalism I was showing. And um, but luckily he did hang around. And um after the first few minutes the sound issues resolve itself. And uh, then the very next day I bought an Ethernet cable. And it's only because of you, the patron, if you're a patron. If you're not a patron, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash you call that radio for the price of a pint. Or the price of a coffee. £3 a month. So you're probably lucky to get a pint for that these days. Uh, that, that's how much it costs to become a patron. And it it's helps us build the platform and do new things. Like we've got a new website called youcallthat.com who are updating the blogs. We've, we're just building this platform and I hope very soon to be inviting all the patrons to an actual real live gig and get a few guests on, get a few... Uh, performers on and we'll just have a good night out in the real world I can't wait to do that and also as a patron you get some access to bonus material and giveaways, we, we like a raffle as well so uh, but thank you to everyone who has been supporting that. it's, it's um, yeah, thank you I mean it and I know some of you like, like we've done 300 shows since lockdown began on our YouTube channel but I know some of you just don't care about that and you just want just simple, good old-fashioned audio podcast delivered to whatever you're subscribed on. I don't know if you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify or Pocket Cast. I don't know where these are all listening. Deezer? We're on Deezer as well. We're in, we're in all the podcast places. So I know that you just want, a lot of you just want it. You don't care about the TV show. You just want it delivered directly to your inbox. A true podcast. Not an internet TV show that claims to be a podcast. Some of you want to just go for a jog and listen. Some of you don't want to waste your valuable internet credits and all your gigabytes with a video podcast. I know that YouTube, unless you're premium, it's awkward to listen to. You can't listen and go jogging or something like that. And some of you just merely don't want to see my face. And that's understandable. So this episode is for you. I have messages asking that I repurpose a host of shows from YouTube to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You've asked for uh, Gail Porter, Mary Keane, Sleaford Mods, and I hope all of these will be coming soon to the audio podcast. But the one that is at the most request is the gaffer right here, Gavin Mitchell. I hope you enjoy the show, and I hope to deliver you another one next week. But right now, like I said, don't worry about the sound for the first couple of minutes. You can just hear the horror in my voice as everything goes wrong at the start, but it's a really great interview, 
and an absolute legend and honour, ladies and gentlemen, this is Gavin Mitchell on You Call That Radio. It's an absolute pleasure to uh, bring on the main man himself. You can hear me. Evening, sir. <laughs> Good evening, mate. Good to How see you, man. Man. How's Don't things? How's yourself? Oh, you're frozen on us. Oh. Uh, how you all doing? What you all up to? I'm surprised you're all in watching this. I thought, you know, Saturday night, if he's going mental, you know. What are you doing this weekend? Uh, what room are you in? Are you having a walk about the house? Is your house big enough to have a walk about? Have you got a garden? Have you been out today? How long have you been out? Um, yeah. Uh, well, this is going well, isn't it? Just have to see what happens. It's just going to be me sitting here uh, just talking nonsense. I'll have to get a book and start reading to you shortly. But so, how are you all coping? How are you all finding it? You up and doing like a bright night nighty? That's what I'm like. It's like streams, isn't it? You kind of get all kind of zen about it. Strange, kind of calm, and you think you're doing all right, and then the next thing you're like, <laughs> we're all going to die. Well, uh, I'm anyway, but uh, most of the time I'm fine. Uh, thankfully, I've got wee Robert Mitchell with me to look after me, otherwise known as Bob the Dog. Um, so, we're coping, find our ways through this, don't they? You got to, you got to, you go down. Um, I hope you don't mind. I'm actually sitting here and I'm naked for the waist down. It is Saturday night after all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Says more to be than cash ever can. <laughs> oh, oh, I can hear you. Mark's there while well, I'm just talking. <laughs> He's just left me to it. Um, All right, man. Oh, you're back. Oh, you still got a funny wee noise there. Oh, you're frozen again. Don't know what's happening with you. Uh, kind of slightly... Uh, Daleky kind of well, don't know what's happening. I am here's me of all the people. The Luddite is the one that's that's all right. Can't quite believe it. I'm useless with technology. Um, so as I was saying, what else can I say? Yeah, I mean, I know you're probably sick about hearing about the pandemic and coronavirus and all that, aren't we all? But you can't deny it either, can you? I mean, you've sort of got to escape, but you don't want to live in denial, but then you've got to watch what you watch. Uh, or it would just put you in a big spiral of panic and depression or whatever. Um, so personally, you know, I, I've, I've kind of, it's hard, isn't it? You kind of give up, or I find you want to give up. The bulletin's quite a lot, the press bulletins, because what are they actually telling you? You know, they, they seem more like party political broadcasts than, uh, than actual information. Um... You know, or it's a big long list of thanks. And don't get me wrong, of course, people should be thanked, especially the NHS. Right down the dustbin, men, shell stackers, etc. But they just, they don't actually give the information or it's or it's contradictory, confusing information. You know, and if the government can't be consistent, how are we meant to be consistent? You know what I'm saying? Pardon me. And a lot of people say, well, it's not about politics or political points going. It's unhelpful to criticise the Tories at the moment. I disagree with that because I think it's know who your enemy is. Uh, and some people say, you know, that, well, we knew about this for a couple of months and they should have been on this. Well, uh, if you want, I'll try and post on Mark's page as well. It's a fantastic interview with the, the veteran journalist and uh, documentary filmmaker, uh, John Pilger. Uh, where he, he gives a great interview. It's about 20 minutes, but it's a great watch. 
And some of the stuff he reveals is phenomenal. And the eight conspiracy theory nonsense by any manner means it's actual proof, you know, that through all this and well before the NHS has been sold off for under our noses. And in 2016, there was a dry run for a pandemic. Uh, and they, they did all sorts, you know. And, and uh, what they found was that we were sorely, sadly lacking in the things that are meant to be a surprise now, ventilators, that the NHS would be overrun, mainly down to Tory camps. Uh, you know, although Labour uh, don't get off scot-free there either. But, uh, so, they've known this for four years and they did nothing about it. And that, that's a travesty, that really is. And when this is all over, which it will be, there's been various things through history like this, it's nothing new, it's just freaky to our generation, or generations, sorry, to the old fella. Um, I just think it's really important that we hold these people accountable and don't let them off the hook and that they take responsibility. Uh, because this is criminal, as far as I'm concerned. concerned. They do have blood in their hands. Uh, and it's unforgivable. But anyway, eh? that was nice and light start to things, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know where I've seen before I sat down, but I don't need a player here as well. I could have played your tune. But it's back up my shelf. See my shelf? I'll show you some of my toys, my shelf. While we're waiting on Mark, see if Mark comes back. Would you like to see some toys? Would you? Okay, man. Let's see. This is one of my favourites. Oh, but look at this. This is Jimmy. Jimmy the Acrobat. Check him out. Woohoo! Oh, Jimmy. Hey! There they are there. There's the old Jimbo. It's quite phenomenal, isn't it? What a mover. Quite old, but still good. Yeah, it's still doing business. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I'm back! Oh, this looks like Matt's coming back. He's back! Yay! Sorry about that, man. I don't know. I think that we broke the internet, mate. I don't think that yes. I don't think the internet was ready for a Gavin Mitchell interview in Saturday night prime time. <laughs> uh, is that okay? I had my bobby out and everything <laughs> while you were away there. They all get a bit porn hub. Hey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> mate, thanks for doing this. Sorry, but I don't know. I don't know. No idea. Right. I just changed the browser and it was all right. It seems to be all right now. Uh, but yeah, thanks for doing this, man. So, what have you been doing to yourself? I take it you're not working? Hey, oh, God, no. That's all over and done with. Uh, I, weeks ago, just at the start of all this carry on, it was like, yeah, the first job went, a wee short film, and then it was like dominoes, like everybody else. Everyone just went, brrrr, gone. So, uh, what, were you, what were you working on? Uh, I was meant to be doing a wee short film on Millport, of all places, one of my favourite places that I go to quite often. Um, so I, it was just a wee short film that was quite nice uh, that was meant to be filming yeah the start of this month end of last month start of this month so they said quite early and then within a kind of week all various other things that were coming up just disappeared theatre uh, etc and who knows you know everybody uh, when and if these things will come back I don't personally see people rushing to theatres anytime soon you know what I mean so um, yeah who knows? It's all up there just now, not how much this is going to affect our lives uh, in the future. I mean, we'll get there, of course. It will, it will pass. It's just when and how. I was given a bit of a lecture when you were off air. I don't know if you heard this. No, I can't hear you. No. <laughs> I, heard, I had a wee bit of a rant already about the, the coronavirus <laughs> and the Tories, etc. And uh, 
you know, yeah, no, that's, that's fine, mate. Well, we, we, there's been a, we've had a few rants, and um, I think just the, the lack of preparation from. I mean, it's, it's weird that people are spending a lot of time going into really deep into conspiracy theories when, yeah, yeah. The, the one right in front of my face is like, like the Tories uh, just told everyone to go to Cheltenham and shake everyone's hand. They've not got the, they've underfunded the NHS. We are not prepared for this. We're putting our frontline workers at risk. We're putting everyone who needs hospital at risk. And you don't need, you know, it seems to be, why are we talking about Bill Gates and his, you know? His, yeah, I don't get it. I can't, I don't have time for it. You know, I had a couple of, he has on Twitter uh, that I just couldn't believe it. Apart from Nelson, were really insensitive because I've lost a couple of people. But uh, but oh, but talk, talking about how um, you know coronavirus, it's 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 no real. Two seconds, Gavin. Point. Can you just uh, pause the? You've opened a Facebook page, and I think that there's a delay playing on the screen. Did you maybe open up another page? If you could just oh. mute it. Hold on, we say I'll get rid of Facebook. Why don't I do that? Just get rid of it, man. We'll bring the comments on the screen. Sorry, man, continue. It was just because it was a wee bit of delay coming Um, in. Not just something somebody came on, uh, just basically saying it's a lot of rubbish, it's a hoax, you know, coronavirus. Uh, It's a common cold, and it's the vaccine that you get. That's what's killing people. It's a whole conspiracy, it's an economic conspiracy, and you're just like, Oh man, Alain, have a word for yourself. Do you know what I mean? The main problem I've got with that is in some the same people are saying it's completely fake. Are also yeah. the same people that are saying it's five G and it's really dangerous. Aye. So it's quite yeah. so we had because I like a conspiracy man. I'm I'm totally open minded to stuff. I like it. Uh, I try and like to you know. Oh well, that could be. But when there's no train of thought because it jumps from it's really dangerous because it's five G to it's fake. It doesn't exist. People uh, are dying. Yeah, Practice at empty hospitals. Stuff, but when some things just get a wee bit kind of whoa, you know, completely out there. Because if you're the, open, if you're open-minded, the thing I hate about this as well is it keeps up a whole um, subterfuge of what the real problem is. So mm-hmm. all the while, when people are going, "Oh, it's this or it's that or it's you know," and freaking out about stuff, it keeps the attention and eye off the 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 real enemy and the real problem, which is the government and as the Tories. And there's a brilliant uh, thing I was saying earlier that uh, just about a day or so ago, I put it up. Uh, on my Facebook, I'll put it up in, in your page if you want, and people should check it out. Is the veteran uh, journalist and documentary filmmaker John Pilger mm-hmm. being interviewed? And it's about a 20 minute interview, but well worth watching. And it's not a conspiracy theory then, it's facts, and it's fantastic. You know, and one of the things was that in 2016, that there was a whole dry run for how Britain and London in particular would cope if a pandemic happened. And it showed all the shortfalls and all the holes and all the gaps that there were. And the and the, the, the huge answer was, without a shadow of a doubt, that it wouldn't and it couldn't. It wasn't ready for it. Uh, and they sat on the, the results. They were never made public. But they, they knew about no ventilators. They, they knew the NHS would be overrun. And the, part of the reason, of course, being that there had been cuts, systematic cuts going on for some years, not just the Tories either, but the Labour as well. But uh, they've known all this. So when people do even turn around and say, oh, well, the, you know, they knew for a couple of months they were a bit slow and that's what's, you know, caused us to have these huge figures. No, actually, they knew for four years. Yeah. For four years and they did nothing and watch this come. And so that's why as much as people are sick about talking about coronavirus or hearing about it and all that, and there's this strange 
extreme and yin and yang between wanting to deny because it's just horrible to look at all the time and you can't live like that and you've got to survive in your daily life. But we can't we can't deny the reality and who's responsible for it and that, and that we must hold them accountable and responsible. And with this is all over, and it will be, that these buggers should should not be forgiven or forgotten because this is a crime and, it's a, and it is a criminal, you know, it's criminal what they're doing. It's, it's blood in hand. It's almost like there's so much blood on the hands that it's hard for people to get their head around it. Yeah, I mean, if, and I think that's the problem. You're talking about football stadiums worth of people already. Things. People don't want to face reality, which is totally understandable because it's mind-blowing, you know, the figures and numbers. And, and we were so unprepared, myself included. You know, I'm still sort of, before that quick sort of turnaround, I was going out or shaking people's hands or hugging people and they kind of poo-pooing it a bit. And then suddenly it was like, oh, <laughs> uh, my God, <laughs> we're all going to die. Um and I and and now I think that's why people are still going out. Hopefully not so much anymore. But I think there's a huge. So I don't want to know. I don't want to know denial, 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 uh, and that and conflicting, confusing, uh, contradictory information. You know, when you watch the press briefings, which I hardly watch anymore because they're just stultifyingly boring and they don't tell you anything. It's Tories standing up with a party political broadcast telling you how brilliant they are and what they've achieved. And then they, they then go on to make a huge list of thanks every day. And don't get me wrong, of course people should be thanked. Although, they, but not by the Tories, the irony of thanking people that you're destroying their workplaces, like the NHS, shelf stackers, bin men, etc. Of course. But it's like, it's to cover up that they know they've fucked up. You know, in this constant long stream of, and we'd like to thank today, we, we must thank. And it's so boring, it's like Mogadon listening to them. And you think, no, 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 fuck that. Cut to the chase, tell us the facts, don't pussyfoot about it, and tell us what you are prepared to do, what you're doing, and what we're meant to do about it. Even the information about whether we stand with it. We think, you know, if you want to go out for things, kind of do that. It's so mincy, it's ridiculous. And how can you expect your population, if, if you can't be consistent in your information, you can't ask people to be consistent in their behaviour. Yeah. And also but what the, we're finding now is that the spin, which was inevitable, they're now spinning it round, and they're going to blame us, as they are now, as Rab did yesterday and started blaming the NHS, you know, that the reason that uh, protection gear isn't there is because they're using it too much, or they're using it too quickly. Sake. You know, <laughs> but it was just, and it was just literally. Unless you, everyone's a short memory. It was literally a week ago or two weeks ago. We went, oh no, it's coming. We're ordered it. It's on its way. <laughs> this gear is. Oh, it's just because we didn't know about it. It's, it is definitely coming, and it's, well, but, it's not. But, but aren't some of those excuses amazing? Aren't they? What was the other ones? There was something. You know, all this shit that's starting to come out now about stuff they didn't do or didn't order, or and then when they're getting pulled up about it, they go, "Oh God, I, I, I missed the email." <laughs> you know, well, like, oh, it must have went in my, it must have well, went in my jump box. What my? Was that? They, they were, <laughs> you're like, wait a minute! I actually remember you, pal, two weeks ago saying we'll just take it on the chin. I'm uh, shaking everyone's uh, hands. It's like, and it's like this whole. Um, oh, we didn't have enough. Life. We didn't have enough time. It's like no, we, literally two weeks ago when we could have just stopped things doing. It was the, the Cheltenham Festival went on. Loads of stadium yeah. gigs went on. And so this 
No, I mean, obviously, I because ultimately it's about economy. Ultimately, it's about money. Ultimately, no matter what this disease, what it proves and shows, yeah. Again, is it's about class and it's about the have-nots uh, and the haves, you know, and those those who you know have you know uh, will benefit out of this and there are people benefiting and making a shitload of money out of this while it's all happening and the whole reason that the whole herd mentality which they then changed their, their point of view about that about two weeks in oh that's not quite working in fact a lot of people are going to that oh let's Her- completely them. spin that in his head now you yeah know, uh unbelievable bullshit and as i say not forgetting they knew for four years what they were lacking in and what was needed, and they did nothing and have done nothing about it. So to make excuses about emails, about, there is no excuse. They knew. They knew about ventilators. They knew about equipment. They, they knew everything. And the idea is, is that there's still while this is happening because it's taking up all the news all the time, the stuff that's going on underneath the radar constantly, you know, but the, the, they're still selling off the NHS while this is happening. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and it's it's, it's it goes back to the sort of systematic flaws of trying to cost cut. So it's like there is for things like the NHS. If, if you've if 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 you need that, it's a you've if you've if the NHS is short of money, how can they be in debt? It's surely that we've just underestimated how much money we need for the NHS. And well, this, again, if, there, if there's other things that have come out of this as well, I think it's like that. What a nonsense money is. You know, I mean, sadly, I think we'll probably just go back to what we were. But it's it's made an absolute absolute mockery of capitalism and money. You know, when you think of apart from even a pandemic, you think of what hundred thousand, maybe more. As John Pilger says, people have died just through austerity. And uh, you know, when you start looking at, at those those kind of figures. It's just, it's insane. And you think, well, there's no money. We all have to put our, our nose to the grindstone, pull together, and we're all in it together, et cetera, et cetera. Suddenly, the shit hits the fan. There's money. Money yeah. can appear. Money can be made. There was even talk at one point of, of clean money, brand new clean money being made and being sent out to people so that people didn't pass on uh, coronavirus through money and stuff like that. So my, I mean, it's made a mockery. Money can be that suddenly billions, trillions, uh, you know, money just appears. So money can happen. It's all controlled for to make power. Uh, it, it's it's an absolute yeah. nonsense. And I think, if anything, a, a lot of this, it's the Wizard of Oz. We've seen behind the big curtain now how some of this works. Uh, and we shouldn't be stupid enough to swallow it when when it gets back to reality. We, we, I mean, it's, we, it's crazy, crazy the, amount of, the amount of abuse that Corbyn got for his... his uh, now his uh, manifesto would have spent a fraction of what's getting spent here. So this magic money tree thing. Aye. Well, isn't that ironic as well? Remember with Theresa May, you know, it was only a matter of months ago. So we don't have the magic money tree. Yeah. Know, suddenly, oh yes, we do. <laughs> because yeah. normally, normally the what what works in austerity because it is ideological. It costs more money to put. You know, there's so many people, you know, for ATOS just had a had a rebrand, a different or a new company came in, but there's these it it costs more money for these appeal court fees, and all the the shit that goes through it, all the hassle to make this happen. It doesn't save money, but it just ties in with the ideological view of let's p- find a fall guy, let's pick on, yeah. let's pick on the job seekers, let's pick on the poor, let's pick on the vulnerable. Well, exactly. It's the same problem with the banks, wouldn't it? It's the same argument. 
you know, why was the, why did the banks collapse and all that? Well, it's 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 that that guy next door, the Polish guy. <laughs> I think Frankie Boyle does a good bit about that. It oh, was the bankers. Right. We've seen it on the news. Oh, that's right. Your granny watching Columbo on it. So <laughs> I think it might have been the refugees. No, granny, you saw who the killer was. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. You know, uh, but no, it's find the PE. It's keeping it moving about all the time. And that's what's going to happen with us. Ultimately, you know, the finger will be pointed at us. That we didn't, you what, know, we didn't follow the rules, or NHS are using up materials willy nilly to to um, prevent themselves. From it's dying a risky in game though this time. It's a risky game this time because a large majority, or not majority, but a large percentage of the the middle class are now signing on for the first time, and they're yeah. they're now having to deal with the the patronising system that's so hard to navigate. Already, they've increased. Uh, universal credit costs because they know that this is a shitstorm. These are people that are unemployed that are actually going to write letters of complaint. You know, this is... So hopefully people don't have short memories and think, oh, that would never happen to me. You know, they think, oh, someone's unemployed. They're, you know, they're just I lazy. Like, I mean, I, I don't know how, you know, it's so hard to get your head around how it's going to, in the long term, how we're going to commit this and what it's going to affect. But I, I certainly would hope not. I mean, the writing's in the wall for who, who the bastards are, you know what I mean? Uh, your Bransons and your your Witherspoon's wanker. You fucking know, Tim Witherspoon, man. He's, he's definitely up there this time. And you think, you know, not that I was ever tempted, but when you're kind of going, that cheap pint or that cheap bit of food, you just don't go into Yeah, man, I can't. I think, I think it's been, now, you know? I've always hated Weatherspoons because I, I know that they shut down businesses, but I've been guilty of just going in for that cheap pint when you're waiting on a train. But I think this is the point where I've got to go, can I justify this? I can just go without a pint rather than doing this Aye. anymore. Because I think that there's a this is a tipping point. If everybody just did that for a month, get these cunts to fuck, man. Get well, exactly. It's like somebody said to me, I said that on, on social media, and somebody said, hey, I don't think that's very fair. At the end of the day, you're, only, you're punishing the employees and you're taking away people's jobs if you do that. The only person that's really feeling it. And you're like, no, that's bullshit. Because those employees were sacked and they've been booted at the door and they, they work under ridiculous conditions. And the long term, what you do by boycotting something is you are boycotting for better conditions. There are good employers out there. There are good conditions out there. That's what you're doing. Otherwise, you're just you're supporting it and keeping it alive and you're, you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. You know, So the, all, all we can do is, is withdraw for these kind of things and, and use people power. You know, which is something that has been again systematically eroded for you know thirty, if not more years since Thatcher was was disenfranchising people and collectivism of people, uh, and and we have to learn that again. You know, socialism became a dirty word. Politics was a dirty word. Uh, people coming together to pick it or have a cause and effect or lock-ins or things. Where people realizing that we we can have a cause and effect. We can take over things. You can stop things happening. You know, so would you dare about it? Would you dare about it? You know, go in a demo or I don't, I don't know what you do. You know, sit and hit a, hit a fucking like button or, or, or just, you know, sign countless things on social media and all agree with each other. <laughs> I know, I know, so do I. The right, po- wait my bed. That's me, like 20 of them. <laughs> the optim- optimist in me is like, people aren't going to forget this time there's... You can't blame it on the unemployed because middle class people are unemployed as well. So, but then the negative side, the, the pessimist in me is like, Boris Johnson's ratings are doing quite well, especially in England. Do you think he's he's dealing with it well? Yeah, I no, absolutely. 
And also that disgusted, you see the headline yesterday in the sun, uh, <laughs> that was unbelievable. And it's a big picture of him, you know, and it was something like he's recovering or, he, or he's doing well, he's walking now or something like that. It really is a good Friday. Oh, God. And you're like, man, no, I don't wish the guy any personal, I, I don't want to see him die, you know, unless he's in front of me and I can get my horns on him. But no, I, I don't wish that on anybody. Of course not. That's crazy. You're lowering yourself to that their level. But what disgusts me in the sun anyway, but, but for them to do that on a day and a week where 5,000 people died and you're going on about, hurrah, Good Friday, Boris can walk. What, <laughs> what would the sun have said if Jeremy Corbyn was in charge of this crisis? <laughs> oh, God. Good question. I don't know. That, well... But well, isn't that interesting as well? It's, it's kind of none of the media are particularly giving anybody a hard time about this. They should be on people, you know. Yeah, even 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 some people that are normally quite good. It seems like the the Boris being ill thing just made them take their foot off the pedal and didn't want to attack him because he's not well. I mean, Emily Maitland did that wee thing in Newsnight the other night. We intro, pardon me, question about attitudes and language that are being used about fighting spirit and things like that. And, yeah, people went crazy about this amazingness of that. And it was good. It was good. But it's not that earth-shattering. You know, what happened to journalism? What happened to people being questioned? And then if somebody does give somebody a slightly hard time, and I can't believe Piers Morgan, people are starting to agree with somebody. Piers Morgan's coming out with stuff questioning them. <laughs> well, we get, um, I was in the papers this week because he called Loki a raging lunatic. I that, I, and uh, we apologise. I know. I, I think he. I think he. I think he tried to take a wee cheap shot. I think he shot it. He got a lot of pelters from Scotland and beyond. And also, he was trying to sort of play it like play him down because of his accent or he. And it, but the, the pelters were just coming in and going. He's an Orwell Prize winner. You know, where's your Orwell Prize? And I think Morgan did the right thing by just getting out of that one because he, I mean, it, Loki's a battle rapper. You don't. Yeah. It's not. It's not a beef that. that uh, and and Piers Morgan's really unpopular as well. Man, so he's talking about you know he's he's an amazing guy. He's uh, you know he, he he can back up what he's saying. Yeah. You know to to underestimate him and think oh what's that jock accent? It's, and it's like <laughs> Piers Morgan. Do you realise how many people don't understand you? They may understand your accent, but nobody understands. Lots of people don't understand. Where you're coming from? Is one well, just... yeah, but again, there you have the hypocrisy of the media, wasn't it? I mean, he blocked me after one tweet because uh, it was when Caroline <laughs> Flack say? died. Uh, I can't remember my exact words. Uh, it was something like Caroline Flack died, and it was the night she died that had uh, taken her own life. And it, it was within an, an hour or so. It was very fast. And the next thing there was Piers Morgan on going, this is heartbreaking, I'm so sad. Uh, I knew she found things difficult. She said to me, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just thought, this ain't fucking about you, you know. Uh, and I can't, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I basically went on and I said, you know, is that right? Uh, because you're a complete hypocrite, but we're meant to believe. I, I can't remember what it was because he'd actually, he'd questioned people with mental health. There's old tweets where he talked about yeah. basically a, it's it's not it's a nonsense, you know. Pull your socks up, uh, and you know, get on with it. And it's a joke. Uh, any yeah. kind of mental health, it's an excuse. And also the the, the, tab, the tabloid scandals he's been involved in, the where all they cared about was a headline. Whether that yeah. meant bugging 
bugging people. And exactly. And I can't, that's what I ended up with. It was quite good at the time. I just can't remember it. But it was quite a succinct tweet. And I couldn't help but finish off with, you know, because he'd had a go at the, the sun or something. He had a go at somebody. And I said, that's a bit, I, the irony is extraordinary here. You know, when you're, you're somebody who will tap dead children's phones. Yeah. You know. I was blocked. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And that's, a, that's not even an alleged thing. That's a real thing that yeah. he did oh, in search for headlines. So it is, it's quite hard to take his uh, be kind stuff seriously. And, and it, these people spout him. Well, that whole, that whole show's like a pantomime, isn't it? Him and yeah. her playing against each other. Big bad people. You know, actually, that, that's probably why my, uh, the show started fucking up with technical problems at the beginning because I... Had a wee, had a wee dig at BBC because they had some technical issues. So I went, dear BBC, <laughs> if you want to know how to do a live stream yeah, yeah. with Loki, I did an interview last week with him. Just and then the powers that be, I went, take him out, take him out. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I deserve you that. Your door, mate. I deserve it. I deserve it. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm just watching see if I see a wee red dot appear on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got. Loads of comments coming in. Do you want to do some comments, Gavin? See Aye, what people say. Okay, let's see what we go. I'll bring it on the screen, mate, and we'll see. Uh, Specs on the old fella here. All right. Uh, okay, we got Raymond Dito. Sorry, I'm late. In days, in the recipient recipient of an amazing act of kindness that has blown me away. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Good to hear a positive story. Um, it depends what that. I don't know. <laughs> my filthy mind there. <laughs> um, I'm trying to stay calm. Reese Mogg is profiting from this. See, see, this is a yeah. thing um, that I think is quite important. Is that I think that people disagree on and get caught up on, especially in the conspiracy theory level. Is there is no doubt the people at Reese Mogg. I mean, his dad wrote a book in Disaster Capitalism, which is when the economy's fucked, you go yeah. in and you buy everything low and you sell it high when it recovers. Now there is a bit of a difference between these. I mean that absolutely shameless behaviour to do that. But it, it doesn't mean that Reese Mogg created the coronavirus with all the world government well, yeah. and all and also getting all the scientists and doctors in the world to go along with it just so he could get a couple of cheap houses. Aye, aye, yeah. But he is definitely profiteering on it. Yeah, there is... Right, right as, soon as, as soon as there's a crisis, there, people are going to capitalise on it and... Yeah, these um, another thing is that the rights that have been taken away, I've not had a chance to go through all of them, but I'd imagine there's some new powers that they don't need that has nothing to do with coronavirus, and they will take advantage of that. And it's up for, oh, yeah. and it's up for um, people to to complain about that and fight back. Once this is over, then get those rights back and make sure keep an eye on it. But you know, so it's like you can be worried about your rights getting taken away. But it doesn't mean that. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I was saying earlier. You know, it's just what what the worry is is what is going on uh, under the ta- under the radar while all this is happening. It's a perfect time for them. There's probably so much going on we don't have a clue about that they're punting through and trying and getting away with. You know, what I mean, uh, and that's not a conspiracy theory. That's uh, that's just facts. That's experience. We know that from experience when there's well, been a slow well, news days or various things or trying when. Get a big news story out there, and while they're doing that, they're going fuck. They're like all human rights, fuck yeah. You know, they're, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, we don't. Yeah, they're monkeys. 
The monkeys, man. Cheeky, cheeky monkeys. The cheeky monkeys, the rascals. But I think that's a good point as well. I mean, in general, there's so much stuff we don't know. But there's also so much stuff the powers that be don't know as well. And what surprises to me is that so many people who... It's totally correct to question mainstream media. Pol- I don't trust politicians or anything. But you've also... Don't put your faith in some random YouTube blogger who's yeah. taking a picture of an empty hospital and saying all hospitals are empty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can offer a slight tangent, but it was really funny. I went to see uh, Julian Cope a few weeks ago. You know, Julian Cope's pretty out there. Uh, and, and, and very funny and all that, you know, and likes his conspiracies and madness himself and has lived quite a life. So I go to the, the um, God, that's terrible brain, engage, uh, the venue over the St. Luke's. And uh, so great night, no, but horrible windy weather. Come out with my, my pals, and I'm like, right, I'll see you later, going to go up the road. And they're like, you got a cab? And I'm like, I'm just going to listen to my headphones, whatever. Anyway, I'm like, I bugger it, cab. Jump in this cab, and I say to the driver, I'm like, oofed. You know, what a night, eh? And he's like, aye, aye, aye. And I said, and some people say that global warming doesn't exist. And uh, he turns and he goes, aye, that's because of Disney. I'm like, well, <laughs> he said, that's because, what was it now? He just launched into this kind of, they make, you know, six billion pounds a year goes to such and such. So, oh no, that's what it was, goes to New Order. <laughs> what? Fucking hell, what are New Order up to? <laughs> just doing a new album. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I kid you not, it was one of the most mental experiences I've ever had. And, I've, you know, I've met a lot of mental people and been in a lot of mental situations. Uh, and this guy blew my mind. And at the time it took me to get to the centre of town home, he had told, he was a flat earther. Uh, he, he was into all sorts. And I said, actually, I thought, I don't want to know where I live. I mean, people say take a black cab because it's safe. This was a black cab. And then... <laughs> I said, just drop me off at a Tesco, actually. I was in his cab for 40 minutes. And I kid you not, I was sitting there going, I, I was that way, I was like, I've got to remember this. I've got to remember this. I've got to retain this. And then he would say something even fucking wilder. And it, it would just go, boo, out my head. <laughs> I, was like, oh, oh, oh. I wish somebody else was here. How am I going to remember that? Not, nobody's going to believe me. Nobody's going to fucking believe me. And so I slowly, 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 surreptitiously brought my phone out and started recording <laughs> And I've got about 20 minutes in it, and it's the maddest shit, you know. And he's talking about it, get crazier and crazier, but there was stuff about the earth being flat, surrounded by an ice wall. We uh, actually have, but, we have we have a flat earth uh, community who sometimes watch these videos, and they will put oh, really? in the comments uh, round about now. They will, uh, now that you've brought it up, so that will now cause a bit of a they'll say something and people will argue with them. Yeah, usually there's a wee argument in the comments on you call that radio about this. And uh, yeah, I, I, I found it quite weird as well. Is it that this because apparently oh, his theory was as also that's why uh, Trump, because he flies around a lot and all, he's seen it. Trump knows the earth is flat. Yes, I, Trump's going to save the day. He's, oh, he's been sent, it's divine. He's been right, sent yep. to save the world. He's a good guy. Uh, and also, there's no gravity. Uh, <laughs> what it is, is there's a metal pyramid inside the earth, which exerts a force, apparently. But Trump, because he flies around a lot, he looks down, he's seen the earth as flat. And so that's why we're having a space patrol now. 
And it's to stop people getting so high that they can see down and see the earth is flat. That's what it's really about. <laughs> what? Honestly, I came out, my head was bust. I walked into my local pub and I was like, give me a pint. Well, you're all right. And I, I, you know, you should be freaked out at Julian Cope. Suddenly, Julian Cope was the most conservative, dull guy I've ever seen. I mean, it's like I'd been in a car crash. Yeah, uh, I, it it does seem that a lot of these these theories do come from a Christian, right-leaning Christian, and that's where the flat earth stuff comes from. So I think, and it's always quite confusing to me because well, I've got friends who are lovely people. They, they do lots, of just work with charities. They're just really good people. Stoner, hippie types, atheists, but believe in the universe and spirituality. But they, they go down the 5G rabbit hole. And, and I've seen recently, they've been one of them has been defending that this whole thing's a conspiracy to take Trump down. Like the whole, it's trying to make Trump look bad to, so that he'll lose the election. Sorry, my wee Doug's just appeared. All right, let's, let's get Bob. Doug. Hold on. Bob. Bob, let's get Bob. We're good to. Soapy was wanting to see Bob the Doug. I've got the. Well, oh, to the banner comes. Sorry. No worries, man. Uh, yeah, you're you're uh, tuned oh, into. You call that radio, television, or you call that video, or some people call it the YCTV quarantine stream. And we do this every night at seven o'clock. We are here every night at seven. And if you're enjoying the show, you can support the show at patreon.com forward slash. You call that radio, and it's three dollars a month. If, which is about £2.50 if you want to help us build this thing because we're building a thing it's getting better sorry about the technical itches at the start but we're trying to build a thing and keep everyone connected over the these strange times I think that Bob the Doug is in the house oh yes there he is. Hey. hold on get his wee banner up <laughs> Bob the Doug there you are Bob hey. Bob's a cracker Bob is a cracker I've seen, I've seen, I've seen some. You've got, you've got some amazing pictures from uh, Millport with Bob the Doug jumping about. Oh yeah, that's uh, Lindsay, my girlfriend's taking lots of brilliant pictures of him. Um, but I, we said you were on telly last night, so Bob, didn't you? Make quite a name for yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're such a smug wee First bugger. time he's had his one tag on the, the oh, screen, though. I know. Look at that. That's oh, I wish I could get that as a screen. Get him, get him added on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> uh, look at that. How you doing, Mark? Uh, no bad. No, it's actually you don't speak loud, do you? Because you're Spanish, Bob. We Spanish, Bob. They're not going to be Spanish, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, so, Bob. Um, I'll see if Bob wants to take any of these questions. <laughs> where do they get? Where do they get the money, Bob? But yeah, it's uh, Dan Purvis says. I'll just I'll just read a few comments. I'll read about three or four comments out, and then I'll let you respond, Gavin. All right. So uh, Dan Purvis says, where do they get the money? Last year, folk were sleeping in corridors at hospitals. Now we can build hospitals at the exhibition yeah. centre. Sharon says media is ruled by rich motherfuckers. Dancing <laughs> Lizard says we are literally paying taxes to kill the disabled, poor, and vulnerable. Uh, Duncan nineteen sixty eight says thirteen point four billion written off NHS trust by government makes it an attractive business now to be sold off without any debt. Now there's a conspiracy theory I hadn't thought of that I could get behind. What's that, Mark? Sorry. So a uh, thirteen point four billion was written off the NHS trust by government makes it an attractive business now to be sold off without any debt. I hadn't even thought of that till I just read that. No, I hadn't considered that actually. And uh, we've got um, Carol Ann Cunningham says, Gav for gov for government, I say. 
I think he'd be good, man. <laughs> Would you consider it? <laughs> but pff, oh, it's a poison chalice, that, isn't it? <laughs> it is, right? I did a wee bit in 2015. You know, I went door to door with SNP. You know, and I, I get, I still get some stick for that. You know, ah, oh, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a nat and all that, and you'll get people can attack us on Twitter uh, and stuff. But you know, I've I've always made it kind of clear that I, I I am kind of SNP, but it's a means to an end. You know, which I think SNP is anyway, because if we, if which is only a question of time if and when we get independence, then it served its purpose. Yeah, you know. And then for there on in, it's a it's it's an open kind of stage for whatever party, you know. But uh, but I see SNP as a means to an end. It makes sense, you know. But I know you're a Scottish national. You're a nationalist. You're that. You know. It's how the fascists started. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just a case of. I don't but think they spoke to me about being more involved or would I? And I was like, mm, you know, I don't know. I think it is. Uh, a bit of a poison chalice and kind of what, is it, what's the Billy Connolly the red tape and everything that's kind of yeah, what's the know. Billy Connolly joke about that the, the fact that you should want to be a politician should ban you from ever being a politician <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to be or the Groucho Marx line isn't it? I refuse to be a member of any club that will have me as a member <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, uh, Lorraine McCluskey's boycott Weatherspoons yes indeed they fuck them Jake Coleman, get these cunts to fuck eloquent. Yeah, that would. Uh, <laughs> I think I, sometimes you can just say nothing says fuck with the word fuck. Sometimes, <laughs> you know what I mean. Conley as well says it himself. So nothing says it, but we say it so. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck um, off. Green says it's seven o'clock every Monday. We should stand out our doors and shout wankers for all the Tories and people who voted them. <laughs> Well, I, I was like, what was it? Somebody said to me last night, it was like, uh, no, never mind clap for Boris, it was shat for Boris. Yeah, I thought, aye, I've shat for Boris. Just every Tuesday, go out and just have a keek right in the street for Boris. Like, there you go, have that. <laughs> and Dan Purvis says, was he ill? I got shot down for, for do, do you know what? Like I said, I've been slagging a lot of the the fake news conspiracy theories, but I think that they've told so much, this government's told so many lies that you can't assume that he definitely was ill. You know, it could have been a PR stunt. It could have just been an excuse to get, I, get about know, a week off. I've I don't know. i them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I don't want to start that, but I, I must have might have been a liar if I said it hasn't crossed my mind. Yeah, of course, you can't be 100% can't convinced. Very convenient. And, uh, you know, I, I made bad joke, tasteless jokes about it and all that. I was like, yeah, he'll probably hide in a fridge in the morgue because <laughs> that's, that's his style. Um, but, yeah, you can't help but be suspicious, you know. Um, other people have joked that he'll probably come out tomorrow because he will rise on Easter Sunday yep. and, be, <laughs> and be the conquering hero. He's um, not the, you know, the saviour. He's a very naughty boy. You know, fair facts to him. You know, obviously, don't worship anybody. But, uh, but, but doesn't that doesn't that speak volumes in itself that you have that much mistrust yeah. now? Absolutely. About, and I'm not know. saying, like I said, I'm not saying that he is faking. I just don't know enough about it. I don't have enough context. Yeah. I didn't see him talking. I couldn't tell. I don't have enough information. And I'm not saying at all that he's definitely made up. I'm just saying that would I 100% trust that, that? It seems to have helped him in the ratings. It's just, and I don't know. I think well, it doesn't really matter. It's no, I, I, I think that is the, that is the main point, though. That I do think 
uh, that it's, it just speaks volumes now that that even so many people would suggest that you know and, that there would have been a time you would go you're off your head that's, yeah. that, 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 and that's it's interesting at the same thing to, at the same time the fact that Donald I don't trust them I don't I don't, I don't know would they, they would do anything <laughs> it's, it's funny they would fake their own potential death or, or illness and see the but, fact that Donald yeah, Trump said I mean, that he, Donald Trump said that he didn't have the virus and that made me suspicious that he did so it's <laughs> exactly <laughs> The exact opposite. Because we live in opposite world. Both ain't dead anyway. The fucking balloon. Do you know what I mean? He's uh, unbelievable. Uh, did McGowan uh, says? And if he did, he would probably be really proud of it. I just want to say it's a great virus. It's a great virus. <laughs> it's, great. it's a beautiful it's virus. It's beautiful. I've I've had the virus. I've had the virus bigger and more beautiful than everybody else. It's a great virus. Uh, all that. <laughs> uh, David McGowan just echoing your sentiments about John Pilger. Oh yeah, uh, it's a, it's brilliant. I really urge people to watch it. It's I mean it's it's sobering and it's you know it's quite depressing. But sadly, I, I think some of these things we have to watch. You know, and like I say, it's this bizarre balance of you know. I think everybody feels the same at the moment. There's a kind of you feel manic at times and kind of up and doing like a bright yeah. nighty, you know, and then. Uh, you take huge lows. Uh, it's it's just the the nature of this because it's so huge to comprehend and take in. So yeah. I think our, 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 our nature is to run away from it yeah. and uh, deny it to a degree. And yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's what I've been doing in the show, man. Like uh, sometimes Sorry? I've been so, on the show. Sometimes there'll be barely any chat about it at all because we're just. Like sometimes just like, Let's just have a laugh. I didn't intend to go this way. No, no, it's all right, mate. It's okay, mate. No, it's all good. I'm, I'm in the mood for it. I'm in the mood for it, mate. And uh, yeah, it's just. It was going to be like, what was your favourite episode? So how was your dog? Okay, let's let's actually do that a minute. What is your um? What is the most common question you get? And I'll just ask that. The most common. Oh God. I don't know if that. Oh, it's just generally things like, is so is that a right laugh? <laughs> you a good okay, laugh okay, here? hold on, hold on. I need the full screen for this. Uh, so, Gavin, <laughs> is that a right laugh? <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> it's that, or just God knows how many days somebody calls me a prick. But, yeah. Oh, I would like to, what, what, I mean, so is there definitely no more still game? That's probably the question as well. Is still game coming yeah. back? And is it definitely not? I suppose that is the big question at the moment. I lots of people go, ah, he's your coach. That's not it, is it? That's not it. Can he be it? But no, that's that. I mean, if anybody saw the live show, it was pretty clear. Uh, I mean, who knows? Never say never. But as far as I know, I mean, it was it was pretty clear. Uh, Without yeah, giving it too many spoiler alerts away, but the last show, but it could, if it was to come back, it would certainly be, <laughs> it certainly go a bit of um, a different way, like a kind I, of jumping the shark a bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think most people have seen it now. It'd be very weird if there's people not seen the last episode. But yeah, it's you know, it's pretty much the end. There's ways out of that and ways around that. It's quite clever, but. Uh, but particularly if you saw the stage show, yeah. uh, and the stage show made it very clear there was no coming back. You know, oh, uh, you've I got mean, the Sunset we, Beach thing though. The sp- Sunset Beach way is uh, we did talk about that. We, well, just we, like 
Maybe we, just he comes back. A bit of seaweed in his head, and it was all a dream. <laughs> it's like we did. I thought you were dead. No, I've got seaweed in my head. Ah, <laughs> right. Um, now we did joke about that, but it, it's it's done. And also, I, I think it's right that it's done. If I'm honest, I mean, I think it was it was right and brave of the boys to do what they did. You know, we could have went on and on and on and turned into you know the Scottish last of the summer wine until we really were that age and doing it. Uh, I think it's it's better to to leave people wanting more and 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 leave it at a good time and a, a good kind of level, you know, and with respect for it rather than, than run it into the ground, you know. I mean, it was obviously, I grew up with Still Game, massive fan of it, and I was just really surprised, though. You, how... you grew up with it, son. <laughs> I was not that young. Don't worry, I was not that you. young. Uh... <laughs> I hear you, Mark. Boy, said he grew up with it, boy. Grew up with the show, the boy. God love him. Thank you very much, son. Thank you. You're there. You're there. Oh, he's still there. Oh, Christ, that'll be the corona. <laughs> uh, but I, man, it's, it was uh, the, the fact, though, I, I can't believe how many, how successful <clears throat> and how many tickets were sold for those live shows, man. I mean, genuinely, I mean, what, how, how many how many people seen have been seeing these shows since you started doing the the big live shows? The live ones. Uh, well, oh gosh, I can't remember. I mean, it's insane. It was insane. Uh, I mean, all in all, we've played the Hydro fifty one times, uh, and to like ten, eleven thousand people a show. Uh, the first time, because um, we're only meant to do it four times, and I remember when we did the press conference and stuff. And me and Paul that plays Winston were going for a pint and we were chatting about it and I was like, God, do you, how do you think this is going to go, Paul, you know? Uh, it's, it's a, it was a risky one. Oh, I thought, I think <laughs> so. I mean, my agent phoned me up. Um, my old agent, nowhere now. <laughs> after after I carry on. But she, she phoned me up and said, Gavin, you know, they're, they're talking about doing this show at the Hydron. Oh, I mean, do you, honestly, do you think it's possible? Do you think... And, and I was like, well, I i mean, I reckon we can do a show. I, I, you know, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I reckon, yeah, I think we can fill it, you know. Then when it was four, I was like, because Rod Stewart didn't fill four, and I think Beyonce didn't fill four, you know, I'm like, I think we've overstepped the mark here. And Paul went, really? I said, well, how many do you think we'll do? And he said, I reckon we can do about ten. Fuck off! You're having a laugh, <laughs> and um, Greg had taken a selfie. It was all, and it had went online, and it just went viral immediately. It was on all the newspaper sites and all that kind of thing. And by the time Paul and I sat down in the pub, everybody was going insane, and both our phones were red hot. And that was the Wednesday. Uh, the tickets didn't officially go on sale the Friday, and there was a meltdown in computers and all that. It just it broke the internet. And then by the Saturday, journalists were phoning me up and saying, I think at one point a guy was talking to me and he said, how do you feel? You're now at 12. And I was like, fuck. And, went, and he went, no, hold on, 16. And I was just like, jeez, this is crazy. And, and one of the nicest things was a wee woman just uh, sent a tweet just saying, now do you see how much we missed you? And that was really... Uh, the, especially the first time. The first time was really emotional, actually, uh, when you went out there. I mean, I opened the show on my own every night, which was 
a nice laxative. Um, and, but at the end of the night, when you when you got those stand innovations and uh, and you 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 honestly, it sounds really corny, but it's true. But you really could feel the love. You know, it was it was quite extraordinary, uh, mind blown. And I think it was for even people down south. No, Matthew Wright's a bit of a fan, and he came up to see it and all that. And he said, "It's unbelievable. People can't get their head round still gaming the success of it. That if you broke it down." percentage of population, how many people watch it or come to see it. Is it it's a phenomenon, but people don't quite realise that. How you know? how does it how does it still game translate down in England or even further afield like American stuff like that? Well it's weird, you know, because now it's on Netflix and stuff. And um surprisingly, you know, I've had people from all over the world. I've been people have come up to me in the States, uh Paris uh, the, the, I was through at the end of the festival, and this girl came up to me and just started going, Oh, yeah, burn away. And I thought, Oh, I didn't understand what her language was, and I didn't know what she was trying to say. I thought somebody nicked her pups or something. And uh, a guy came running over and said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Uh, she's from Brazil, and she's a huge fan of still game. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she said, Yeah, yeah, my mum loves it. And then she kind of got herself together and she managed to say a few words and she was like, Julio, hello. Who thinks you a prick? <laughs> you were saying that at the start. We're like, um, I was like, how long do you think it was before someone says two pints you a prick in the comments? And uh, So it's a common one. Is that your, is that the catchphrase? Pretty much. Uh, you get it everywhere, all over the world. I've, I've had it. There was a morning I was on a train. I've had it, God, aye, everywhere. Um, but I, I was on a train one morning down London and a wee guy kept looking at me, had a wee pencil moustache and a wee hat on. And he said, uh, he looked at me and, he's, and then he went, excuse me? Uh-huh. Are you booby? <laughs> Sorry? Are you booby? Uh, Bobby? We oui, booby from the the still game. Uh huh. I I am French. My my wife she's Scottish. I learn my English from the still game. Uh, how you say um um uh, two pints you prick. <laughs> <laughs> and I had it in Barbados. I was doing a show in Barbados, and I was standing getting a drink at the bar. Happier, and I'm thinking, wow, Barbados, this is amazing. And it's like a bounty advert. Never thought I'd ever be here. And taking it all in, you know, thinking, my God, you know. And I ordered this drink, and the woman said, what, what, what can I get you? And I said, oh, and she said, why don't you try a daiquiri? And I'm like, oh, aye, I'll try a daiquiri. <laughs> and so I ordered this coconut daiquiri. I think, no, oh, aye, aye, why not? And, and just as I ordered it, I just hear, oh, two pounds, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> Even the other side of the world, you know, I'm getting called a prank. Smashing, great. Bubble was burst. So, uh, <laughs> what, what show were you doing in Barbados? Uh, we're doing a show at uh, Casablanca. Oh, yeah, uh, oh, the Casablanca show, of course. That, that, it was a. Uh, did on and off. I've, I've heard good things at the fringe. Went well. Uh, we did it. Uh, originally, it was part of Play Pine a Pine up at the Old Moor. Uh, written by uh, Monag Fullerton. So it's the movie of Casablanca, but just with three actors and the whole thing broken down into about 50 minutes, 55 minutes. And we tell the whole film uh, just with the three of us. Also putting in wee facts about how the film was made uh, 
and I. So it's a kind of loving homage to the film, but we kind of make a virtue, pardon me, of three arseholes <laughs> trying to do a full production of the movie of Casablanca, which is an insane idea in itself. So that's part of the joy of it. But but people seem to really love it, and it, I, I love it. It's great to do. I'm really proud of it. Uh, and it, I, it's really nice. I, I played Humphrey Bogart and that kind of thing. Well, that's a dream come true stuff, man. Well, we're, we're similar in that we both have faces like a bag of spanners. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so, so, so the, the, the buzz the of doing the, the stuff live must be incredible, man. I mean, I was actually, uh, uh, I went out with uh, my brother, my sister, my cousin and my dad. We took my dad to it. And uh, he absolutely loved it, man. It was just, uh, it was just, he's still, he's still ranting it, he's still loving it. Uh, but in fact, Fantastic. actually, uh, you actually, you actually gave my dad a, I mean, because I was actually, one of the first times I met you, I was like, my dad's a massive fan, you want to oh, give him a, a message, he wasn't doing very well, and he loved it. I think you just said something like, he went, what does he do? And I went, oh, he's, he's retired, he doesn't really do much, he's no well. And you're like, uh, you're like, happy birthday, Rab, or you, oh, oh, wait a minute, with the, Every day's your birthday, you lazy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but it was made up for. In fact, do you know what? He's um, he can't he can't get out the house, so I'm going to send him this. I'll send him this show on DVD. So if you want to give him a wee shout, out, that'd be great, man. All right, Rob, how you doing? You still you've got even more excuse to be a lazy bastard, <laughs> do you? Huh? Sitting in your fat arse all day long, now, aren't you? Hey, oh, well, I watch now. Maybe maybe get the pointless ones. <laughs> there we are. Now. <laughs> Amazing, you, Rob. Amazing, mate. You're just having fucking wine in your cornflakes, not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've got loads of comments coming in, man. So I'm going to get a a cool. couple. Uh, Kenny saying, "So true." Change the curtains once we get independence. Kev White says, "The fuck was coined in Scotland is ours." And this is actually a, a well, it's a, a supposedly a real thing. It was found last year that fuck the first. Evidence of the word fuck was in the 15th century, apparently by um, one of the Lord fighters. Fuck Roy. Fuck Roy. It was, a, it was a, you know, the, do you know about the flighting? So that was like, it was kind of like a, a very early battle rap thing where Scottish people would right. shout, so they would basically shout abuse each other. Rather than have a fight, they would just challenge people to a kind of a verbal duel kind of thing. And they think that that's technically the first ever battle rap. And that's apparently where the word fuck was first coined. Oh, wow. Yeah. So people say Scottish people shouldn't rap. Fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck off. Uh, Mary Ram (laughs) says, Fab Show thoroughly enjoying this. I'm going to skip that. uh, Going Underground episode 867. I don't know what that... Um, Someone's saying... I don't, I don't know what that was, uh, what the going on the road is. Dallas return for still game. Dallas returns for still, eh? I don't know. Amelia Jane's oh. in the house. I don't know if you know Amelia Baylor, great comedian. She was on the show last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's fantastic. If, if that's the thing, or I, yeah. uh, she's amazing, actually. She's I saw very her good. Drag Optican a few months back. And she was, she was, oh, I, no, I love her. Yeah. She's great. Apparently, we might be even getting a, I think she's doing a jingle for us. So I'm looking forward to oh, hearing cool. that. Oh, her jingles in her song. <laughs> That's the vibe. Shouts to Amelia. <laughs> That's right. That's the vibe. She's got a podcast called Funny Talk. If anyone's interested in checking out Amelia, it's oh, cool. 
Funny talk. Oh, and she's got, she, she throws a jingle in every two minutes when the, the, based on what you say. <laughs> it's good. Check it out. Um, so Stuart Westwood says, what about still game the Flat Earthers? <laughs> what about it? We'll make a show of it still Jack Victor or Flat Earthers. That's not going to last an episode, mate. Come on, dude. Uh, they should just make yeah, about... They should make a series just about Bobby growing up. That would be brilliant. Bobby growing up. <laughs> I think he's already growing There's not a lot of life left in Bobby. Young Bobby. I know people have come up with different ideas of that. I mean, one of them... It'll never happen, unfortunately, because the boys own the, the characters and all that. But because it was like, where would Bobby go now? And there, there was some nice ideas of like, you know, if Bobby went abroad and opened a bar in Spain or something like that, you know, how he would cope, uh, which might be a laugh. But unfortunately, it's not up to me. So, yeah. Um, and now that my, my mullet's retired and now lives in a, uh, a, a, wee, a wee guinea pig farm in Peru. <laughs> oh, am I getting off it dark? Should I put a light on? It has got a wee bit dark, mate. It has got a bit dark, but it's dark times, mate. It's dark times. Oh, that's good. Oh, I like that man. It's uh, like every good documentary, the wee bookshelf behind you. What you got there? What you got? Anything? Would you recommend any of them? Mainly music books. A lot of Bowie, uh, Clash, Nick Cave. Uh, let's go call. back to the, let's go to the, the music thing mate because I know you're a massive music fan and I remember I think twice now I've sh- shared the stage with you sort of because you were hosting the Barrowlands gig when oh, you, 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 introduced us, you introduced the Jackal Trades gig and you also introduced the Gyro Babies gig at the Barrowlands yep. and then at the end you collected the David, David Bowie, Bowie Hall of Fame it. man tell yeah, us a bit about that that's incredible yeah, it was kind of that was kind of insane. Well, it's an amazing guy Billy Coyle who works at the Barland and also works at Hydro. Yeah, shouts to Billy Coyle. Uh, Billy's a legend, he truly is, and uh, has worked with them all really. Uh, and Billy kind of set up uh, the the Barland Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So it was basically people that that they thought uh, they wanted to give an award to people that they thought had treated them well and with respect. And that the crew also respected, pardon me. And Bowie was one of them. So they'd got in touch with with Bowie's people, uh, who said, "Yeah, of course we'd love to accept this, but just not just now, not realizing, you know, what the, the what was going on and how seriously Ellie was." And I've been a massive, massive, massive Bowie fan all my life. Hence my my hold on my black star. Uh, so I but so Billy phoned me up out of the blue, knowing that I, I was kind of involved with the mustards quite a bit in the L movement, and said, uh, "Would I be willing to accept uh, and the induction about into the Barland Rock and Roll Hall of Fame?" Which I was just blown away because it wasn't that long after he passed, and to be honest, I was still pretty upset. It hit me quite hard. Uh, and he said, only if you want it and you think you can do it, you know. And I was like, well, yeah, but I mean, it's why me? You know, it's just um, it's a, a massive honour. Um, but yeah, so it was extraordinary. And from that, bizarrely, uh, stop me if this gets boring because I might I turn into a bit of Bowie board. But uh, <laughs> from that, it led to lots of other weird things. So it was things like, um, uh, I, I, you know, I'm sitting with Bowie's award in my house, <laughs> thinking, this is fucking weird. <laughs> I've got David Bowie's award, and I, was, I shouldn't really have this. So um, the girl I was going to at the time. 
uh, we're lying in bed one morning. She starts t- talking to me about a, a, a girlfriend of hers who's, who's a singer-songwriter in Texas. Uh, and she's telling me all about her, and then she tells me how she's into this guy, Errol. And I went, Errol? It's no Errol Slick by some chance, is it? And she said, who's that? <laughs> and, uh, so she, I knew she was fucking chucked after that. But anyway, <laughs> Errol Slick was Bowie's guitarist on and off for the 40 odd years. This is where it gets kind of boring about this stuff because I do really know my stuff about him. So um, I was like, no way, no way. And I thought, I knew Errol Slick was coming to Glasgow to do a gig playing the whole Bowie Station, Station album. And I thought, that's where the award should go. He's foot soldier when he's right hand men. So she got in touch with her pal who got in touch with Errol Slick and Errol Slick got in touch with me. I wet my pants. <laughs> oh, it's Errol Slick. <laughs> Let's send an email. So, um, so we organised all that. I passed on the award to Errol Slick. Uh, through that, I got to know his production manager uh, and stuff. Um, and his production manager got in touch with me uh, and said, "What was it? It was, it was around about the time where we were about to do uh, Still Game 2016, Still Game, and." They were putting on a huge big concert that would have been the anniversary of Bowie's death, which would have been his 70th birthday, that Gary Oldman was doing and various other people in Prixton Academy. And uh, this guy, Tom, got in touch with my lovely Tom Wilcox and said, are you going? Like, no, tickets are like gold dust and, and all that. Plus, I'm working, I'm doing still game. So he got in touch with me privately and he said, well, I can sort out half that problem. Uh, I've got a place you can stay and I can definitely get you in the gig. Why don't you come down? And uh, and, I said, oh. and the first day of rehearsals and still game, I went up with the director and, the, and the, how are you doing? How are you doing? It's like, great, great. You excited? I'm like, aye, aye, I'm excited. Anyway, tell you what, there's any chance I could get away early on Friday? Uh, and I told him what it was and get on him. He said, look, this means more to you than anything. Of course you can. Just make sure you're back uh, by Monday lunchtime. And I went down, and I can't tell you everything that happened, but uh, it was amazing, especially a good going, in, going in the the uh, sorry neighbours waving at me. There was, uh, I a very good time was had, and um, but I got down there, and I just it was extraordinary that first night. I met Susie Ronson, who was Mike Ronson Bowie's first guitarist with Spiders from Mars. Met her; was a lovely woman. Then we went round to this. Hold hotel. on, hold on! I need to get the I need to get the name drop out for this. <laughs> we have it every we have it every episode, mate. We have it every episode. We got a wee bit of name drop. Susie Ronson. <laughs> Boom. Uh, then Errol Slick was it, and I basically I met every member of his band that night as we sat and watched this documentary, final documentary. But I mean, everybody was in tears, and so it was incredible. And then the next day, I met uh, Mick Ronson's daughter, and I met uh, Kevin Armstrong, who was his musical director at Live Aid, and and then since then. I think it was Mike Garson, who was his pianist on and off for 40 years when he did the Aladdin Sane album. That's Mike Garson, does all the kind of crazy wild piano. Again, to just to Mike and asked to do backing vocals. So I'm, next time I'm on stage with Mike Garson. Uh, and so one thing just led to, you know, and it's been mind blowing. It's been that, that side of stuff was really amazing. And kind of the irony being that the only reason it's kind of happened is that he passed away. You know, it's as close as I'll ever get to him, but only because he passed, sadly, you know. But uh, but I 
quite amazing now. So when any of them are in town, they kind of get in touch and stuff, which is that's amazing. Is yeah. it, how, 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 does, how did it feel the the because obviously the hydro how big's the hydro attendance wise? Uh, it can hold up to thirteen thousand, but I don't think anybody's quite done that. I think they did it for what's his face, uh, Louis Capaldi. Yeah, but um, but normally it holds. We we were doing about ten to eleven just for sight lines, so you could see the stage properly and what have you. So we were doing ten to eleven thousand, so, and then you've got the Barrowlands, which I think the night that you won, well, you you didn't win his award, you you collected it on his behalf. Yeah. Uh, that's that's two thousand people at the Barrowlands. Yeah. How does that how does that compete compare sort of thing? Well, I shouldn't really say that. <laughs> it's it's kind of odd. They're, they're completely different things, you know. I mean, of course the Hydra is amazing. And particularly the first time when we did it, because as I say, I used to open that show. So I came on first and it was a big curtain. They showed a wee short film, everybody being made up, which finished with me sitting down as Bobby and kind of looking at myself getting ready and they just put a dish towel on me and I got up. Like, that's all you have today for Bobby. So it was like, fine. And uh that you heard the laughter and it was like an animal it was just like, you could see the curtain moving and then the music started and a countdown and then an explosion and the curtain fell and I'm just standing cleaning a glass and I can't acknowledge anybody or let the audience in or anything and I was shitting myself there was one girl underneath the bar uh, who had to catch a bottle at one point and she's chatting to me all the time kind of going, so what are you doing? What, what, what did you do last night? You got any plans? You're going to have a thing? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I've got to speak for about five to ten minutes on my own. I'm just desperately trying to remember the life. And you're doing it twice a day, that, that scenario, because you're doing the, the, the matinee in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite exhausting. I mean, because good on the boys, a lot of people, uh, I think when they do kind of big stadium shows and that tend to do kind of greatest hits things or that sort of thing. The boys always did a completely new, fresh kind of show and put everything into it, all singing, all dancing uh, show, you know. Um, but as it was brilliant. But what I did find, to be honest, if I'm brutally honest about it, was by about the second day, I remember slowly acting my arse off and then slowly trying to peek out at the, the stadium and thinking, Jesus, look at the size of us. People are like ants and what have you. And then I look and I'm thinking, keep acting, don't let anybody see you looking. And then I looked in, there's people even in the front row, and you realise nobody's looking at you. They're all like that. They're all just looking up at the screen. So unless a camera was on you, nobody's really looking at what you're doing on stage. So, so that was very odd uh, in, in a perverse kind of way. I, I, personally, I thought it was too big. I'd have pre- I prefer intimacy. Uh, I'd have preferred to, to have done it in a theatre for a longer time. But it w- but somebody worked out that if we did do it in a theatre, if we did it in the Kings or something, we'd have had to have done it for about five years <laughs> 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 to, to fit in however many people it is we've played tonight. Um, You've probably had a, had a point where you're like, obviously it take, probably takes a, a few days or maybe a week, say, to get used to your script and you probably hit this nice point where you're not you're still getting the adrenaline rush but you, you feel what like you know what you're doing but I, I reckon if you would do that too often eventually it would surely just get a bit a bit boring or a bit uh, annoying or just repetitive well, and also again because of the situation at the hydro there was a lot of mocking about <laughs> because you weren't on camera a lot so if nobody's looking at you we were getting up to all sorts uh, <laughs> having a right good laugh 
so, uh, which was great. But I, but to answer your original question, I suppose it's far more nerve-wracking doing something like the uh, play pie in a pint, where you're in front of you know maybe two hundred people or on the bar land because the bar land is so important to me. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, it's my favourite venue in Glasgow, possibly the world, and I adore that place. And I grew up there. You know, I've lost count of the number of bands I've seen there. Bowie as well, actually, at Barland. The Cramps, uh, some old minds, you know, anybody and everybody, you know. So just to walk on that stage is fantastic. But to walk on that stage and collect something... That is that was destined for your your ultimate hero was mind blowing, you know. So I nothing comes close to that actually. Hydro or nothing, I'm afraid, uh, touches that night. It was very special, and of course it was very special because of the night it was, you know, the yellow movement and the mustards yourselves. Everybody it was it was a really special night that night. It, that it was, was uh, mate. <clears throat> it was uh, the Battlelands is always special, but I think yeah. I mean you've got to remember that four weeks before that, I think we'd sold. 150 tickets. <laughs> so, uh, so, so like, yeah, uh, we and John well, started bamming each other up in the videos and then we, it, we started to gain a bit of traction. And to actually, so all the stress of it, like, well, are we actually got it? Is this going to be okay? And then it sold out. And uh, what, what, uh, it and they shall come. Yeah. Well, sometimes <laughs> they don't, though. See that? That's not actually true. <laughs> build it and they will come. Sometimes you build it and cunts don't care. So, because uh, uh, that's happened as well. That's also <laughs> happened, uh, but yeah, that was a that was a great night, man. And I've got the also shout out to the Barrowans. David Blair's tuned in as well. All the oh, Barrow, Billy Coyle, and all the Barrowans stuff. I've uh, got Craig Hendry says this has made my day. Earlier today, got a notification. Still game hits Netflix Poland on Wednesday. Best quarantine Saturday yet. Gives a shout out for Bobby the Barman. This is oh, Craig Hendry. He's he's at one of the patrons that supports the show, and he's living over Hi, in Craig, Poland. How you doing? Thanks for supporting the show. I I think I heard rumours about this. That is it, um, series eight is going on Netflix now. I don't know if they're putting the last one, series nine, on yet, but I believe series eight's going up. So slowly but surely. And uh, Poland, do you know what I mean? I'd imagine imagine Poland would be quite a good market for for a four still game. Well, it's a bit like Craig Lang. <laughs> <laughs> also, Craig was one of the. Craig was one of the uh, promoters, or whatever he's a promoter, but he was going to help us put on some gigs because we were we had a, we were booking a, a European tour for August, but obviously, like everything, it's cancelled. You know, uh, it's cancelled. Uh, um, but Christmas is cancelled. Everything's cancelled. I'm going to be Tom Hanks is cancelled. Even Tom Hanks is cancelled. It's fucking. <laughs> we got um, Tommy Cancel. Uh, Tom would say it's Woody. Is uh, El Dorado? Are you on the El Dorado? Am Joe I McCann? on the El Dorado? Uh, Joe McCann wants to know if you're on the El Dorado. Is that El no, Dorado? No, but funnily it? enough, I took a picture uh, just the other day. I was taking my dog out for a walk up Rock Hill Park, and I didn't know you could still get LD. I hadn't seen it for so long, and I saw this wee bottle, and I thought, "Fucking hell, you can still buy electric <laughs> soup. What a beautiful thing!" <laughs> uh, but I no no. Do you know the other one? I'm talking about old fashioned drinks. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember a story in it. That Lanlick. Anybody remember Lanlick? Nah, I don't. Does anyone remember Lanlick? But bizarre old drink, Because <laughs> I just combined. <laughs> a friend of mine was talking about once. We were just talking about terrible chat up lines and horrible experiences, not. And, and he remembers being at a party one night. 
and everybody was leathered. And he crashed out in the couch, and his pal was in the back of the couch, uh, getting off with a lassie. And <laughs> and she, oh, that's it's no Lanlick actually; it's Bertola cream, which was a kind of sherry when I was a kid. And uh, and he over <laughs> this is terrible, but he overheard him saying to this this poor lassie saying, "Oh, come on, drop the vigilantes! You've had half my Bertola cream." <laughs> drop the vigilantes, drop your panties, drop your vigilantes, you've had half my Bertola cream. It's like you silver tongue fox, you. But, uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, that was apropos of nothing. Cream, uh, Cream remembers Lanny. Oh, excellent. I old Lanny, electric soup, geezer suka that electric soup. I've right. yeah, got Lanny red wine, that. of course. What's that? Lanny Red Wine, of course. Oh, hello. Oh, you someone with taste there. <laughs> Mary, Ra- of Mary, your arms heard of it. A discerning palate. Uh, Kenny Hugh, Kenny Hugh, he's heard of it. Ah, uh, good. Oh, I, I just thought they'd stop selling it until I saw it the other day. And then, you know, it's like anything, it's like magpies. After I saw that, next time, oh, there's another ball. Oh, there's another ball. Oh, oh, good. But mind you, I'm taking the dug up Rock Hill Park. What do you expect? I mean? <laughs> Jamie Kira says that Yellowland gig was it was Gyroland. I think you'll find it was called Jamie. Um, favorite night ever. Ooh, controversial. Controversial. It's Gyroland, not Yellowland. And uh, <laughs> Laura Jean says, "Absolutely loving the show tonight. Thank you, Mark and Gavin. Thank you, Laura Jean, for tuning in." Thanks, Laura Jean. Uh, Mary Phillips says, I'm a big fan of Bowie, also massive fan of Saw Doctors, who are also in the Hall of Fame at the Barras. Try and get them on if you can. I don't have any... I don't have a contact. David Blair, if you're listening. Saw Doctors have played the Barras a lot, though. Uh, they, I, think they, they, I think they play the Barland fairly regularly, Saw Doctors, actually. Or if you mean the Hall of Fame, I would be surprised if they've actually not been inducted already. I would imagine their name's certainly up there. But nothing to do with me. Don't fucking come looking for me now. Give me a hiding. Colin Symes got a great idea about how... I haven't thought of that. Bobby's an expat barman in Benidorm would be brilliant. A <laughs> 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 wee spin-off show. <laughs> I said there was this chat, you know, what would ever happen to him? We thought, ah, if he tried to open a pub somewhere in Spain or something, I uh, fancy these chances cutting about with his mullet. He'd probably fit in better with his mullet in Spain. <laughs> 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 cutting about with his jewelry on, like, oh, no, you fancy a wee half and a half. Scud it into me on bonkers. Oh, I think, we, so, I think, I think we're going to get the, the Dallas now. I get it. The Dallas reference, sorry, because, you know, like, remember in Dallas, the guy came out the shower? Oh, the Bobby coming out the shower thing. Yeah. Oh, I get you. Ah. Uh, I understand. This is as good as still game. Thanks, Mark and Gavin. God, obviously that man's firmly in the grip of mental illness. Shout out to DJ Epic, man. He's a brilliant producer and DJ and rapper. Uh, Isa wakes up and finds Bobby in the shower. Last season, all a dream, Dallas style. I have to be honest, after that beer, I read that slightly wrong there. I thought Isa wakes up and the and finds out she's got a bobby. <laughs> <laughs> but well, that's about a spin on it. Alan McVicker says, where's bobby? Who's bobby? Everyone's bobby. Nice to see you, big shagger. Well, bless you. 
Dave McGowan has actually corrected me here. Uh, it was uh, historical records of flighting in Scotland from the 13th century. Although I think the word fuck appeared in the 15th century. Correct me if I'm wrong. Shouts to Barry. No, thanks, David. Never thought I'd be fucking talking about this on Saturday night. Barry, Barry's got a question, an important one at that. What is the best mad advert you've ever seen that sticks in your memory, Gavin? Best mad advert? Um, I don't know. Funnily enough, I don't know if that's pertaining to something that was on last night. There was a show that I was in that was on BBC Scotland last night, but it's shameless self-promotion, and they're showing another episode Monday night called Selling Scotland. And it's all about mad adverts or how we looked at ourselves over the years through advertising. Some of them are amazing. Some of them I'd never seen before as well. Some of them are fair outside Scotland that Sean Connery did and Billy Connolly did and stuff like that. Some of them are crazy. Or how the Americans saw us, like stuff for Potty Jokes, where there's big American blokes carrying, you know, six wings in their arms and all that. Hi there, I'm Scottish. Um, but my own experience uh, is I, I did a, uh, I've done a couple of ads. Um, and one of the wildest I ever did was I did an ad, oh God, 20 more years ago for Miller Light in New York. And the setup was, and I had to for it, which was kind of weird as well, and then got it. But uh, it was me sitting in a peep show and and I put the money in and the week in a slot, you know, comes up in this peep show and I'm like, oh, kind of ready and waiting in anticipation and and then this girl comes out, you know, and I'm like, <sighs> disappointed. And she pulls out the bottle of beer and I'm like, oh, hello. And then from there on and she just teases me with the beer, you know, and is pulling the label off and stuff and all this kind of thing. And I'm, it's just an excuse for me to pull faces. Like, oh. <laughs> and that, that was quite mad. And it was banned in a lot of channels <laughs> in the States. Uh, but they actually showed it during Super Bowl one year, uh, bizarrely. Which is quite mental, but I that, that's quite. Where did you read in the show last night? He, he did a couple, a few funny adverts. Have you ever, have you ever crossed paths with you before? Who's that? So, oh, Hugh, oh yeah, no seen him for a while. Um, I Hugh's a lovely man. Uh, yeah, he's over in China now, isn't he? Yeah, man. Well, he's just he's just came back for China because of the the whole. You might have heard there's a wee bit of a bug floating about. Uh, what was that? So he's, he's actually, I think he's in, the, he's, he's in Butte. He said he was in Butte last night. So oh, he's, really? He's back in Scotland for a while. Oh, brilliant. Oh, he's a lovely guy. You, I, we, um, can I think? We used to see a lot of each other probably in the 80s and all that. I think we were that kind of, you know, different generations of kind of swirl about the same sort of social circles. And uh, Hugh was about then, you know, a lot of gigs. Uh, and he, he, he tried stand-up for a wee while as well, I think. You, I went to see yeah. him. Uh, I and various things we used to bump into each other a lot. Do you, do you, ever, do you, ever, do you ever do stand up yourself, man? No, I never ever have. Uh, I think when I was young, uh, I fancied it. Or, but lots of people have said over the years you should try it, you should do it. But it's one thing you talk a lot of shit or sit in a pub and make people laugh or whatever, which is a nervous defensive thing, I think. It's another to have a start, a middle, and an end, you know. And 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 I, I really admire stand ups, actually. You know, it's it's a really sort of brave, lonely old job. And for all that, I have lots of friends who are stand-ups. Uh, it can be brutal, you know. It's a bit like leprosy sometimes, because if you, if you go up there and you die in your arse, people aren't necessarily very supportive when you come off. It's almost like, oh, <laughs> I, I don't want to get caught with that shit. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I used to do a thing years ago called uh, Velvet Cabaret, which then went on to become a sketch show TV series called Velvet Soup. 
Yeah. And that was four of us. Uh, and we, um, it was a different script every week. Uh, and we'd go out in front of a live audience and it was all untried, untested stuff. And that, that was kind of kind of closest to stand-up, really. And, but the great thing about that was, and it happened a few times, we died in our arses. But, um, but at least you had the four E's. You could turn each and go, fucking hell, you know, and have a pint and kind of commiserate and support each other and, and all that. I suppose uh, it's the same as like when Robin Williams uh, passed away. I um You've met Robin a, Williams, haven't you? Is that true? Yeah, he was a uh, he was a mate. I uh we kinda we did a movie in ninety four or maybe a bit earlier. Uh I think called Being Human, a Bill for Size movie. And we met on that and he got on brilliantly with everybody, not just me. There was about fourteen of us, kinda glorified extras really, but they wanted actors because we'd to improvise a bit and stuff. Uh, and I we kind of clicked uh, and then I went back up to visit him during filming um, and then at one point I went over the States uh, in fact it's a book that he gave us just behind us actually but uh, but um, I, I visited him a couple of times and when he was over in Scotland we'd be going to Billy Connolly's place uh, Ardner Craig he would uh, uh, Candy Craig uh, is it? Bited up there a couple of times but I didn't go because I was just far too intimidated, to be honest, because it was all these, you know, Steve Martin and Eric Idle and all these amazing people. I just thought I'd be sitting there going, oh, I can't help you know, what do you say in that company? Um, but no, he was a lovely, 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 lovely man. He was a brilliant man. What was the point in that? What was I talking about just for that? I was going to go into that. Well, it's gone. Well, the, Robin Williams, when I just, I think I heard you talking in a podcast about him before, and I was just like, mm-hmm. that, it just, it, it, I mean, Robin Williams is such a talent, man, and just, it just, it just seemed like a sound guy, so it's really nice to hear that he was actually sound in real life. Uh, he was an extraordinary man. He, he was just, you know, there's the, the, the funny, amazing guy, uh, and without, I don't mean this in a negative way or to uh, his genius, but like any funny people, a lot of the time, he, he kind of, uh, you know, he came round on himself a lot. And you can hear that if you watch enough of him on YouTube or things or, and interviews. You can hear he'll, use, he'll fall back in similar routines or gags or, you know, which I think people naturally do a lot of the time, which makes him even more human, I think. Although he could, he was brilliant at riffing and improvising, uh, and get, although very difficult to play because you're playing with the best and he was like a steamroller, you know. Uh, I think I only beat him once when we were having a carry on. He was. Keith Richards and I was Mick Jagger and I managed to at last top him with a gag at one point and I was like fucking yes <laughs> but uh, but yeah no he, he he was so sensitive he, he was amazing whatever situation he was at he really seemed to uh, have these amazing kind of sensors could pick up on people and would look after people and uh, you know I mean all these things that came out once he sadly uh, took his life you know that Whenever he did, but, but a lot of the people who worked for him, you know, were ex-addicts, or he knew from darker times who he employed, um, or if he rolled into town with a movie, he sent out part of the deal in his contract. He would send out people so that there was various homeless or unemployed people were were brought on uh, into the film as extras and things. Um, I've seen him things I can't really talk about, but I've seen him do things for people. Uh, and people that have worked with and that who, you know, all above and out the call of duty that he did to help them out or 
uh, do personal things for people and just all strictly in the QT. You know, just a really genuinely generous, loving, kind, beautiful human being. You know, he was a, he was a, a, a lovely man and a huge loss. I'm, I miss him terribly, as I think everybody does, you know. Yeah, absolutely, man. I don't know if uh, Gavin's coming back or not. I'll maybe read a couple of comments out. I'll read a couple of comments out and hopefully Gavin does come back on and maybe answer a few more questions. There we go. Joe McCann says, brilliant show, Mark. Gavin has some amazing stories. Uh, we got Lou Rogers. I said my hubby used to work in the the hub, the Guardian town head. We often used to see still gaming filmed round the back of it at Navid's, and we actually just we found out last night that Navid used to play keyboards for uh, for Hugh Reed, Small World. Uh, Amanda Doherty says he's not coming back. Well, he's away to walk, Bob. It looks like it. It does look like it, doesn't it? He's back. It looks like Gavin. I was just about to cut off there, but I think he's here. Hello? Can you hear me? Gavin. Gavin, can you hear me? I, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I, I can hear you perfectly, man. I can't see you. Uh, I but I can definitely, definitely my hear you. My phone was dying and it's in 1%. So I've been on my, my um, iPad. But the problem I have is that I have to upgrade this. <laughs> I can't get visuals, but I can That's, get down. Well, do you know what? What we'll do, what we'll do is, because we've got the voice. We'll do. We'll, we'll wrap it up with while you were off the air. John McMaster said you've got a brilliant Sean Connery story. So why don't we just you do, tell us the Sean Connery <laughs> story and then we'll wrap it up. <laughs> oh, you dirty bastard! I, I don't think I could tell that story. <laughs> nah. Um, it's I. It's they could get us all shut, shut down, mate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I will tell you sometime privately. But uh, I, <laughs> I don't think it's wise. <laughs> well, uh, Gavin, we'll leave it at that then, mate. And uh, thank you very much for for coming on the show today. Oh, you're it's welcome. Been, Sorry, it went wrong there at the end. Oh, it's me. It was my fault at the start. So we'll call it a draw, mate. It's all good. <laughs> uh, but no, pleasure to see you and talk to you. I hope that was all right. I didn't bore the arse off everybody. Thanks no, for mate. The questions and stuff. You are absolutely brilliant, mate. Thank you very much. And uh, all the best. And we're, we're walking the dog, because I suppose that's all you're really doing, now, isn't it? Walking pretty, the dog. Pretty, pretty much. I'd be pretty lost if it wasn't for the wee man. He's great. Gives me a routine and gets me up and about. And at least it's, it's something to cuddle. Do you know what I mean? Apart from that, my only other advice to get through this is uh, to keep healthy as uh, masturbation, of course. It's, uh, it's very good for the white blood cells and the immunity system, apparently. So, you heard it here first. Stay safe, masturbate, keep well. Thank you very much, Gavin. All the, the best, best mate. Take it easy, man. See ya. Oh, oh. Strange mood of our time. You call that radio. <laughs>